to episode six of Slaytanic Vercast, the internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. Each week, we dissect a track from their back catalogue by playing through the song, analysing the lyrics, and giving a final appraisal. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting from a former KGB safe house, somewhere near Ackle Road, West Hampstead, it's Dr. Liquescence. How you doing, Doc? I'm very oh, well, thank you very much. Um, now that it's becoming darker in the evenings, now that the, uh, the clocks have, uh, have rolled back a little while ago, mm. um, I can sort of move to a place with windows. Um, the, 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 the daylight isn't, uh, isn't quite as painful. Now, the advantages of this place is that the, uh, the windows are still lightly painted with emulsion on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, as befits its former status. Um, and also sooner or later, um, I'm convinced the neighbors are going to notice that the, uh, um, the holes that are drilled in the walls that the, the previous tenants um, put there to put the microphones and the cameras in. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't noticed so far. So, um, you know, sort of, at least I have something to keep me occupied during the long hours of immobility as I wait for like different flesh grafts and things to uh, to grow back. Yeah, how's it all going actually, your kind of medical recovery? How are you coping? Well, um, as you know, I haven't quite been the same since I um, I incorrectly recited the spell to invoke the, uh, the ancient Egyptian demon. I mean, um, it's foolish, just foolishness to be honest. Um, I mean, how was I to know that my flesh would begin to boil and fall off my bones? <laughs> it's true. It's um, true. Yeah. I mean, I've I've managed to pretty much keep ahead of the game since then. Um, when all of those drug addicts went missing in Baltimore overnight, mm-hmm. um, that was a close one. Mm-hmm. Um, some 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 people noticed. And I, I I had to leave town in a hurry. Sure. Um, and. Of course, you know, the, um, the, the three feet of intestine that was all that I had at the time was very badly engorged. Mm, mm. Well, I'm, um, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better, um, you know, because, you know, I mean, you, you, you're a very, very strange man, but, but we wish you nothing but the best. Um, it's a strange day here in uh, France. Now, normally we don't... Um, talk about uh, real life, really. But I think today I, I need to make an exception. Um, a peek behind the curtain for the listeners. We're actually recording this on the 29th of October, 2010. It's currently about 20 to 10 in the evening, French time. And we are about to go into the second national lockdown for at least a month, starting tomorrow. And of course, today as well has seen the second um, beheading of a French citizen in an Islamic attack in the past two weeks. Um, I'm not really going to say much about it, but I'm feeling a bit spiky, Doc. I'll just say that. Yeah, um, I have been used to um, confinement, both voluntary and involuntary, um, for so much of the last 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um that um, yeah, I mean it's um, it's a gloomy old day outside. Um, it would be great to uh, have a stroll around the corner and play a little bridge, mm-hmm. um, or um, maybe even um, go to the uh, the plumber's mate just up the road. Um, yes. you know I, I could really do with um, two meters of PVC tube. 
because I'm 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 sort of fairly badly constipated. But mm. um, we, um, as has been said many times before, um, this calls for sacrifice. Mm. Uh, and you know, rest assured, I should be making many many sacrifices. It's good to hear. I will just finish with "Vive la France, vive la République." Okay, c'est suffit. Um, corrections for today. Now, last time, Doc, you were talking to me and you posited the notion that perhaps there were kind of emo, shoegaze, black metal bands. And I said, you know what, Doc, you're damn right. I just can't quite think of the name of the band I'm thinking of. So I went away. Yeah. I did a little bit of digging in the dark recesses of my cranium and I found the name. It's Death Heaven is the name of the band I was trying to think of. Death Heaven. That's with an F, not with a TH, all one word, Death Heaven. Um, these guys hail from America, I believe. Um, and, you know, their musical style is a combination of, you know, kind of, I mean, very well produced, but kind of, you know, rawish, primitive-ish black metal interspersed with really kind of slow, somber, introspective um, acoustic passages. Interestingly, if I did, I did a search on Google just for a list of shoegaze bands. Now, the usual culprits were returned, you know, Ride, My Bloody Valentine, Toulouse Gosh, Lush, etc. Mm -hmm. And Death Heaven came in at number 20 on the list that I looked at. So they are a known quantity, even just in shoegaze circles. Goodness me. And considering those circles, it's strange. Um, those circles, I think, probably comprised of about 200 people. Mm -hmm. um, the, the last time I went to see a band who shamelessly wore hooked T-shirts mm -hmm. um, and had fringes longer than the back of their hair. Mm -hmm. um, and as is the way of things in this postmodern age, things that you assumed would be long forgotten um, have a way of reappearing, oddly, in incarnations more popular and whisper it, mm -hmm. maybe even better um, <laughs> than the original incarnation. Yeah, I think, I, think, um, I think one of the interesting things about the modern world, the internet age, is that nothing ever dies you know, because if you can get a fan base of a thousand or two thousand people globally, that's probably enough to justify the band or whatever it is continuing, you know, so it, so, so it plods on. Yeah, um, very interesting. Um, thank you very much for that. Um, I'll probably investigate Death Heaven now. Yeah, um, they're most, I mean, obviously these guys are detested by the elite black metal sorts, but that's not to be... That's, you know, that's no surprise because they hate everything apart from the two or three bands they deem to be covert enough. Um, and in fact, their most reviled album, sorry, sorry, Doc, their most reviled album is called Sunbather. And inevitably, that's the one I'm going to recommend to you because that's my favourite. I quite like them and I don't care. <laughs> um, I think being despised is a badge of honour in black metal circles, isn't it? Um, it, I suppose it depends on, on the angle that you take, you know. Um, the, these guys aren't trying to be despised. They want to be popular and to make money, um, sure. you, know, you, you know, because the, these, aren't, these aren't elitist, purist, you know, black metal nerds from Norway. Um, 
Let's move on to the second correction, which in fact is not so much a correction, uh, more an expansion on a theme. And in fact, this, maybe we can use this as, as the topic for the show. Um, last week, we briefly touched upon misogyny in metal. Um, a new good doctor suggested that there wasn't really any such thing. Um, I kind of let it slide, but it nagged at me a little bit in the back of my, in the back of my bonce. Um, and so I, uh, I've had a little think in the meantime, what do we make of stuff like some of the early Maiden material, like Charlotte the Harlot, for example, Prowler, 22 Acacia Avenue, you know, these songs that, you know, touch upon prostitution, touch upon kind of a male, the male gaze of prostitution. You know, can we, can we view these as misogynistic or not? What are your thoughts? Um, I'm sure that, uh, that, that Paul um, and Steve and probably even Bruce um, would say that they were um, aspects of life which they observed growing up in the East End in the early 70s. Sure. Um, and that seems to be a good enough excuse for hip hop. Mm -hmm. um, it's just reality. It's just what we see every day of our lives. Um, yeah. And if you don't understand that, then you must be too middle class. Mm -hmm. um, I... I, where I thought you were going with the yeah. accusations of, uh, um, of misogyny, um, <laughs> um, I would, however, suggest that um, charming tracks like Her Gash I Did Slash by Gore Rotted. Well, um, the, the, that's my next note, really. You know, that, the next thing I was going to touch upon was, you know, the brutal death metal bands lyrically glorifying in, you know, anatom great anatomical detail regarding the rape murder, dissection of specifically women. How, you know, how, how do we justify this? And indeed, do we need to worry about justifying it at all? Does it matter? Um, you can't hear the words, mm -hmm. extreme brutal death. Um, you, I don't care what anyone says, um, you can't hear the words. No. Uh, I would point out that um, it's very probably um, merely an admission or a self outing of what a certain brand of radical feminist believes that all men are like anyway. And um, to a certain extent, those people are to be lauded for their honesty about it. I think it's puerile and I think it's childish um, to a certain extent. Um, I think it's attempting to get at the noses of a brand of conservative right winger who doesn't really even exist anymore. Um, the, um, gore rotted are not provoking Mary Whitehouse or, or whatever the modern equivalent of Mary Whitehouse is, because that person doesn't even know they exist. Well, mm -hmm. um, would the modern equivalent of Mary Whitehouse, though, be kind of the, I don't know, the president of Media Watch or something like that? But that's their opinion of all men from working class provincial towns anyway. Mm, mm. Um, do you think you'd be telling someone like that something about factory lads from Wellingborough or mm -hmm. um, low grade white collar workers from Milton Keynes? Stuff that they didn't already think already. You know, it's very interesting. I, I feel a little bit like a hypocrite, you know, because um, as we've discussed, um, you know, outside of the podcast, I, I, I have a little bit of a, of a penchant for a bit of hip hop and rap from time to time. 
Uh, I, I don't delve deep. I, I, I can't really name names particularly, but, but sometimes, you know, I quite like what I hear. But the thing that does often put me off is the, you know, the blatant apparent hatred of women and also the apparent hatred of, 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 of gays. I find it deeply problematic. But then, you know, and this is the hypocrite in me, I will, you know, happily listen to an aborted song where, where, where the lyrics are absolutely, you know, far more appalling. But I suppose it touches on your point, Doc. You can't actually hear what they're saying anyway, you know, so, so it doesn't resonate in the same way. It's problematic, at least. For the record, I find the economics of hip-hop far more problematic. I, I'm, I'm far more upset or weirded out by the blind worship of wealth and capitalism. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea that the, the, the constantly repeated message that making money um, by, the by the exploitation of whatever or whoever mm -hmm. and by whatever means necessary mm -hmm. is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, we're into this, um, does rap and heavy metal influence the way that children think? Mm -hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we're a long way historically into this argument now. When the argument first appeared, at, we've alluded to this a couple of times before, um, at the Judas Priest trial in the mid-80s and then on into the PMRC era, um, it was kind of new. No, there was not much evidence about it um, and it probably deserved looking at from both sides. Um, we're a very, very long way. We're approaching 40 years um, into that argument being had now. Um, nobody has come up with any convincing evidence that song lyrics influence people's behavior like that. Sure. Um, and once again, to hand back to you, there's a thing that you will know more about than I have. Um, the focus shifted to violent video games after mm -hmm. a while. And mm -hmm. I don't know what the focus is on um, nowadays, but um, it's sort of one of these things that um, for as much as the mass media in general would love to believe it has a massive influence on people's behaviour um, and the way that people think and the way that people act towards one another, compared to social reality, so compared to the neighbourhoods that people live in, compared to the families that people grow up in, I don't think media has much of an influence on anybody at all. No. I mean, I, I think the, you mentioned the video games. I think the video game panic you know, from the frothing right-wingers was, was at its height during the late 90s, early noughties. Um, you know, the likes of titles that spring to mind would be the likes of Carmageddon, um, you know, where, where the, the, the principle of the game is you drive a car along a pavement and kill as many pedestrians as you possibly can. Um, uh, it's great fun. Um, and... Stuff like Grand Theft Auto, I suppose, you know, was, was being beaten with that stick for a little while. Of course, the interesting thing is that something like Grand Theft Auto has been played by, you know, how many hundreds of millions of people. If these things really did cause people to become violent and go out on, on, on violent killing sprees, I think we'd be seeing a lot more of it personally. Um, I, I, I don't buy. I don't buy the argument that these things influence people at all. Um, we are into a strain of rhetoric now, which we need to address before we move on, even within the space of this discussion, because um, we're going to be accused of what about ism? 
um, during this, and we kind of haven't um, addressed the initial challenge that we set for ourselves, which is, um, do we find <clears throat> um, misogyny in heavy metal, such as there is, problematic? Mm -hmm. um, answer, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I find discrimination against any kind of person to be problematic. Sure. Um, and what other people call whataboutism, um, which, by the way, is what I'm about to do here. Um, and an example of it would be, well, you talk about um, misogyny and heavy metal. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to talk about a very thick and nasty strain of sexism in many, many, many forms of mainstream music, um, which endlessly suggests that anything other than a monogamous heterosexual relationship leading to the production of children is somehow abnormal. Sure. And if you can't achieve that, then you are abnormal. Mm -hmm. That's that's an example of what aboutism. Yeah, uh, no, it's sorry, Doc, sorry to interrupt. Keep going, sir. Um, so <clears throat> um, I had pretty much better put my hand up and cop to what aboutism because mm -hmm. Misogyny in heavy metal um, is promulgated by um, a very, very few bands. Um, those bands are listened to by very, very few people. Mm -hmm. um, Except Maiden. I'll take those three examples. Um, so I will go back to the very first thing I said. Um, mm -hmm. I seriously think that um, the members of Iron Maiden um, would have written the song for um, the people who went down the Ruskin Arms. Mm -hmm. Well, that's um, an interesting point, well, isn't it? You know, is, is it is it social commentary, or, or you know, or, or or is it you know the glorification of of, of misogyny? I tend to favour the first one um, personally, but you know, I didn't write the lyrics. I don't know what was going on in their heads. Are the songs in question actually misogynistic? Well, the, 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 that's all to do with perspective, isn't it? You know, I, th I think you could, I think you could happily argue it both ways. Um, I think so too. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone would try to suggest that prostitution is not a material reality. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, prostitution is real. It's real in the place where they where they grew up. Men definitely visit prostitutes. Men definitely think about sex. I think that would be their argument. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's um, it's a matter of size as well. Um, Muslims will explain to you that um, apparent contradictions in the Quran can be resolved by the fact that the early passages of the Quran were written for a very, very small audience when mm -hmm. Islam was not a very large culture. Mm -hmm. And the later passages um, appear to contradict those because they were addressing the spread of Islam mm -hmm. um, and the globalization of Islam. Mm -hmm. um, Iron Maiden in 1976 were, um, <clears throat> to coin a phrase, a local band for local people. Sure. Um, they were expecting their songs to be understood pretty much by the couple hundred um, blokes with denim jackets who went to watch them at the pub where they played. <laughs> the aforementioned Ruskin uh, Arms. The aforementioned Ruskin Arms. <clears throat> um, and if you want to try and say there's a difference between Iron Maiden writing about their uh, writing reality songs about their hood is in mm -hmm. some way, is 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 in some way different to Tupac or Public Enemy mm -hmm. writing reality rap um, about the material reality of the neighbourhood that they grew up in and that they live in. Mm -hmm. um, um, if you said there was a difference between that, I'd have to tell you the, the, uh, that you're being a bit silly. Yes, 
I think we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but um, uh, I feel like we've solved one of the problems of the world almost conclusively <laughs> here this, this evening. Doc, what about you? Um, let's move on. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here we play the track, pause it from time to time to discuss what we're listening to, and generally just get on down to a bit of Slayer. This week's song is track six from Show No Mercy, entitled Black Magic. Here we go. It's fabulously ominous start, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. How many times has that been ripped off? I, 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 the one that comes to mind for me is Bolt Thrower, Spearhead, is the one I think of whenever, whenever I hear this. I was thinking of Sacrificial Suicide by Deerside. Oh, fabulous. Okay, yes, yeah, so two crackers. Two crackers in the bag yes. there. Uh, let's, let's press on. <laughs> just have to pause it and say oh yes oh what fucking yes what was that you were saying about bolt thrower again no yes do, do you think do you think bolt thrower heard this song let's keep going i think they may have heard this song <laughs> here and say I think this is one of the best intros that Slayer ever wrote and you know this is their first album track six I mean they've got some great they've got some great starts to songs this is right up there I love this absolutely stuff but we, we, we seem to have another kind of production difference here I don't know if it's my ears but Tom's vocals are very quiet definitely um, we'll discuss this in detail a bit later on mm. I want to concentrate on the vocal production in more of the track and mm -hmm. see if I can consolidate the conclusion I'm coming to okay you, you, um, you, you're, you're formulating something there in your in your dark dark mind I am. I, I've, I've got an idea, and I want to see if I can muster any evidence for it. I like this. I like, I like this. Um, just, just teasing us. Let, let, let's keep going. Thank you. 
Any developments? Yeah, um, I'm going to advance a theory here. Mm -hmm. um, theories, in fact. Point number one, I think the vocals were recorded in a different session. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, on massively inferior equipment. Mm, there is something not quite right about the vocals. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it is clear that, that, that you know that there is something off about the production on, on, on his voice. I, it doesn't detract from the track for me, but you know we, we, we're here to you know to, to kind of pick 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 you know pick pick apart the bones, and that, that's something that stands out for me. Well, here's the other thing that stands out for me immediately. Um, it's the beginning of the retirement of a particular aspect of early Slayer. Mm -hmm. um, so what's front and centre in this track, what's absolutely inescapable, um, is even more than the very first track on the album, and I mentioned this then, but even more than that, you've got just about a prototypical version um, of real Slayer, sure. of album three, album yeah, three I'm era Slayer. Totally agree. Totally agree in this case. I wasn't quite with you with the first track, <coughs> but this time around, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with what you're saying. Um, and I think what you're witnessing with the marginalisation of the vocals and the pushing them lower in the mix and the soaking them in um, either echo or reverb, um, you're witnessing a edging out of very specifically the Judas Priest influence. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, again, totally agree. I think this is the first track so far on the album that somebody who had never heard this song before, but had heard plenty of Slayer, you could play it to them and instantly they would know this is Slayer. Yeah, I want you to talk me through what you perceive the defining elements of Slayer mm -hmm. to be and where you can see them in the song. And I'd, I'd like you to begin to do that a bit further into it. Can we listen mm -hmm. to some more, please? Let's go. Now that riff there is interesting because I think that is a touch of the priests going on there. I did that, you know, that there is a little bit of new urban DNA still residing just specifically there um it's definitely in there it's definitely mm -hmm. throughout the song um mm -hmm. but i think what you're witnessing here um is sort of like a uh, a stalin era purge of the party apparatus mm -hmm. um you're beginning to witness it um being excised being mm -hmm. removed mm -hmm. um then, of course, the next logical step in the process is to begin to modify the photographs mm. and cut out any evidence that it was ever there. The doc's gone mad. Let's, let's press on. To this question, Doc, who's playing that solo? I don't know the answer. What's, 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 your, what's your instinct? From the tone mm. and from the position on the fretboard, I'm going to say that's Kerry King. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, on the occasions when um, Kerry isn't just waggling his tremolo all over the place, as it were, um, as it were, um, I think he picks, I, I, I think his solos tend to be higher. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, um, that's an interesting observation. Um, and he confines himself to a much smaller area of fretboard as well. 
Um, <laughs> obviously, um, Mr. Hanneman is, is, is very well known. Um, I believe um, I read an interview in Guitar Magazine or mm -hmm. some such publication once, um, which was explicitly drawing attention to how large his hands are and how unnaturally wide his reach is between his forefinger and his little finger. I have noticed when watching Jeff play just how tiny the guitar looks in his massive ham hands. It is true. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Let's press on. <laughs> For the second time, I'm going to say, oh fucking yes. What a transition, what a riff. This is Slayer at the peak of their powers. It's awesome. Almost as if to bear out what we were saying, did you feel as though you could perceive um, a bit of King, a bit of Harriet Hanneman and a bit more King? I really struggle to, to, to with, with the solos. I, th I think your ear is, is, is more finely tuned than mine. I do find it really difficult to, to make that distinction. They were, they, they were, they were definitely swapping over. I, I think I heard two, 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 two swaps, as it were. So three distinct yeah. solos. I would agree with that. I feel as though I could definitely pick out a classic, um, enormous reach, Hanneman, um, <laughs> chromatic or modal... Mm. Um, ascent mm -hmm. uh, through about a two octave range. Sure, sure. And then, um, and then we hit this. We hit this, this 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 new riff in the track, and it is just it's majestic stuff. I can't tell you how much fun that is to play. It is wonderful to play. It's fabulous. Oh, here we go. <laughs> standard Slayer trick here that they do throughout their career, which is taking, you know, one of the really strong riffs from the track and just layering that with a solo, you know? And even when they're yep. swapping places, they, they just stick with that same riff. They just keep dropping in and out, playing the same riff, picking up the solo. It's, it, 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 it's a great technique and very, very distinctive, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> Track six, Show No Mercy, Black Magic. Now, I don't think you need to guess what I think of that track, Doc. Tell me your first impressions. <clears throat> it's wonderful. It's absolutely yeah. wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, it's, as a standalone piece, um, as a piece on the album, mm -hmm. um, so, and as a piece in the 
career and development in, in, in the career development of Slayer. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I, um, I just suddenly sort of had the idea that uh, the uh, the heavy metal HR department um, <laughs> uh, uh, arranged to have an appointment. And uh, right, so um, it's time to discuss your career development path. <laughs> yes, yes. Have you hit your Have you hit your KPFs for this for this quarter, Mr. Hanneman? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> nonsense. Oh yeah. Um, so I, that that thought flashed through my mind very very quickly. Then, mm -hmm. um, so structuralist criticism, first of all, or two kinds of structuralist criticism. Um, it's placed on the album. Uh, it's the first track of side two of the album. It is. And for those people who did not grow up in the era when I was going to say records because mm -hmm. I mostly bought records. Most of the metal folk I knew, their go-to medium was cassette. Interesting. I was, being, I was a mix of the two, actually. It was claimed at the time, and I've acquired enough old examples now to verify this, that the vinyl pressings of metal albums were shocking. Mm -hmm. um, they generally tended to be very, very bad pressings. And I'm not surprised that people went to the cassette one of my observations from um, listening to metal on vinyl is you do very frequently lose the bass. So it's, it, it can sound yeah. very tinny. Um, my experience um, is that um, I suppose in an effort to get the density of sound, um, the, the mastering engineer mm -hmm. will um, master it too loud and the needle will skip. Mm -hmm. The needle mm -hmm. will bounce out of the groove. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, definitely not my preferred recording medium for listening to metal. Sure. In any case, we've got um, the, the crucial distinction between record, oblique stroke, cassette, and CD is that records and cassettes um, were conceived with sides in mind. Of course. Um, so this track being at the beginning of side two, and I don't think it's impossible, I, I don't think it's possible to overestimate the importance of that. Mm -hmm. um, I sometimes feel like the first track on side two is more important to the structure and the pace of an album than the first track on side one. Mm -hmm. um, because it's the first track on side two is a point where you can really, really lose an audience's attention. If well, I think by that attention, point, oh, sorry, Doc, by that point, you know, the, the person has been listening to the, to the album, presumably for, you know, 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, yep. And so, you know, it is possible that it, if, if, if the material isn't, isn't, isn't clicking for them, you know, their, their patience is being tested. If they flip the disc and what they hear doesn't satisfy, well, you know, you know what, it might just be time to reach for a different record. Yeah, um, and we're, we're well into the era of, I suspect the vast majority of metal in this particular time um, was being listened to on cassette Walkmans. Mm -hmm because it was a delivery system that you could use in public or in shared accommodation. And you could play as loud as you wanted. You could do yeah. as much damage to your hearing as you wanted mm -hmm. um, without necessarily upsetting your neighbors or upsetting the people you were sharing accommodation with. By 1983, um, you know, were, were cassettes really the, the, that pervasive in society? I would say they were, yeah, absolutely. Really? Yes, okay, I will bow to your superior knowledge. Um, because, to, you know, when I think of cassettes, I don't know why, but I, I kind of have 1988, 1989 being when they really, when they really caught fire. I think what you're thinking of by 88 and 89, um, there existed 
the very inexpensive means to have a dubbing oblique stroke copying rig mm -hmm. in your own home. Mm -hmm. um, in 1983, your primary means of acquiring a cassette would not have been to have dubbed it off the record that you mm -hmm. already owned or to have gotten somebody else to have done that for you. Your primary means of acquiring a cassette would have been to buy one. Sure. If you remember the, the, the hour price um, in the small town in which we grew up um, in the pre-CD era, the the area for cassettes on sale was at least as big as the area for records on sale. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm. The records were in the center of the room um, in the record racks and the cassettes were against the walls in mm. like in, in, in little bookshelves stacked mm. spine outwards. Mm. Um, I totally agree with you that, you know, the, the positioning of this track on the album is, 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 is no accident, you know, and, and, and that in the, the, the way that the track intros with that, you know, really kind of elongated, ominous riff, because you know something's coming. You, you, you know they're going to do something, but you just don't quite know what they're going to do. I, you know, I kind of wish they'd had the balls to kind of double the length of that section a little bit. I, I, think, I think that could have done with being at 15 seconds longer, personally. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. That long intro. Um, got a question for you. Um, do you think it is in any way meant to be digenic or even onomatopoeic? Because um, I find myself thinking of, at various points, something such as um, a, a swarm of locusts or um, mm -hmm. a swarm of wasps. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, at another point, I find myself thinking of a helicopter. Mm -hmm. um, at another point, I find myself thinking of um, one of those extremely high rate of fire area saturation machine guns. Mm -hmm. um, I, I get the um, like the helicopter and the machine gun reference. I can't really hear insects in it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, you, you, certainly they're, 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 they're trying to invoke an atmosphere of dread. You know, there's some, yes. something bad's coming, basically. Um, yeah. Now, whether you know whether that's diagenically or not, um, I think they succeed personally. Now, um, the question I alluded to a little while ago, which I'd like to ask you properly now, could you talk us through um, the, the intrinsic element, the, the, the syndrome um, of Slayer? So in other words, the essential parts by which a Slayer track can be identified, uh -huh. the things that a Slayer track must have, mm -hmm. and which ones we heard and where in this track. Um, I mean, the things um, that, that, that come to mind instantly, of course, this will not be an exhaustive list. Um, you know, you, you, you need the, 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 double, the, the, the fast double strumming um, on one string, but not, but not to make a melody, just to, just to kind of make the, the, the bass um, rhythm almost. Then you need single picked guitar melodies, which here we have fabulously as the first, you know, after that ominous intro, then we get that fabulously dark and sinister melody, um, none yeah, more yeah. higher than that. Um, then of course, you know, you have the, you know, the, um, you know, trading solos um, dynamic with a riff that we've already heard um, that really stands out. And the last thing I suppose would be, um, you know, that, that, that kind of double strum pattern that they do to create a rhythm 
on the guitar. You know when I got very excited about two minutes into that track and I said, what a fucking riff, you know, yes. that, that just double strumming to make a, 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 a specific staccato rhythm um, on the guitar, which again could, you could, you know, you, you, you you could allude to the fact that that, that sounds like machine gun fire, I would say. So that, that, those those are the elements that, to me, mean Slayer. I mean, of course, you know, on top of that, um, you know, Tom's very distinctive vocal style. And as the albums develop, you know, Dave Lombardo's drumming style becomes much more integral. Um, by the time we get to south of heaven and seasons in the abyss as we progress through these episodes you know we will hear nobody else could have played drums for slayer and made slayer sound like slayer so dave becomes just as important as any as any other member of the band was there a slayer stop in that track i don't think there is actually no 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 i mean without listening back but no none, none really comes to mind you're right that's the one thing that's missing my god it's a shocker it's a rubbish song yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No. What were you thinking of? I know. Couldn't you, couldn't you whack that ride symbol and then grab the edge of it just once? <laughs> it needed it. No. Um, but no, no, yes. yeah, but that, no, that is, of course, that is another element that is very characteristic of Slayer is, is the stop, basically, to add emphasis. Um, one guitar is playing the riff, the other guitar intersperses just with a single hit of a chord. And at the same time, Dave just smacks the cymbal and catches it with his with his thumb and, thumb and forefinger. Absolutely magical. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Doc, before we press on with the lyrics? No, I think we can agree that we're we're enjoying ourselves so far. I think I think that is correct. Let's move on. Welcome to part three of the show. Evil speak. Here we read through and dissect the lyrics that Tom's generally screaming in our faces. So here goes. Verse one. magic night we've been struck down down in this hell spells surround me day and night stricken by the force of evil light the force of evil light what they're talking about doc uh, devil stuff um, <laughs> i've gone over these a few times and up until now i've been doing quite well um sort of i, I um, I'm quite proud of myself um, doing my best to mine some to, to, to mine some discursive content um, out of Slayer lyrics. Sure. Um, I think I think it's always worthwhile trying to mine discursive content out of Slayer lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, all I can think of to comment on this verse um, <laughs> is uh, devil stuff. Um, sure. I, I mean, I. I I don't, as before, I don't know from whose point of view mm -hmm. um, we're supposed to be reading these lyrics. Cursed Black Magic Knight, we've been struck down, down in this hell. Spells surround me day and night, stricken by the force of evil light. Um, 
I don't even know who who we think is supposed to be singing this. No, no. I don't know what evil light is, do you? Evil well, light. That seems like a contradiction in terms. Um, since we mentioned primitive black metal early on, um, I'm going to do my best Varg Vikanes impersonation. I'm going to quote from an interview he did on... I'm going to uh, quote from an interview he did on BBC Radio 4, I believe, in 1994. For the um, listeners, remind, remind us who he is, please. Um, Count Grishnak is the, 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 the orc um, behind uh, Burzum, um, <laughs> behind Burzum um, who um, famously murdered Euronymous, um, mm-hmm. the guitarist from Mayhem. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, his... his Birth name is Christian Vikernes. Um, mm-hmm. He chooses to refer to himself as Varg Vikernes mm-hmm. um, because presumably he doesn't like the idea of being named Christian. Sure. Um, can't think why. A bit antithetical. Um, yeah. Um, at one point, um, he was named by a rival band after killing Euronymous. Um, he was named Vikernes the Betrayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was uh, apparently a title he, he, he did not dispute, but uh, rather um, took unto himself and referred to himself as the betrayer for mm. a while afterwards. Mm. Mm. Um, and I believe at one point claimed descendancy from uh, Vidkun Kvishling, um, who was the um, oft derided, um, sometimes considered to be Nazi collaborator, um, leader of Norway at the time of the the German occupation, <clears throat> and Varg Vikernes was 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 keen to associate himself by by some manner of descendancy from um, to him, um, and he gave an interview to BBC Radio Four um, where he was um, asked about such subjects as this. And I'm going to see if I can do the voice. Um, I'm, I really I'm, need to I'm really looking forward to this. Hold your breath, listeners. Here we go. And what he said was something along the lines of, um, "You see, I I named my project as Burtsum." And I suppose you could say that Burtsum means the darkness. But mm-hmm. if you're evil like me, then it means the light. And actually what you call the light is probably what I call the darkness or the evil. Mm-hmm. And that's what T- he said. T- typical, typical Norwegian sense of humour, I see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's... Um, <clears throat> It takes some. Uh, it takes some getting used to. Um, does uh, does Norwegian humour? Now I, um, I have to say, um, <coughs> your impression was first rate. I, I very much enjoyed that. Um, but you, what, what you just said remind, reminds me of a great Mark Kermode um, quote, where he say, he says Swedish comedy. It's no laughing matter. Very very. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about this first verse, good doctor? Um, no, I mean, uh, I believe I've actually been able to provide a little insight into it. Um, I think it's reminding us that depending on your point of view, um, what you and I, well, what you think of as, as, as light um, and, you know, a source of good in the world that makes plants grow um, and makes children happy, uh, depending on your, point of, on, on your point of view, might, might be an evil influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in the end um i'll pick a hole in the grammar because it's ultimately tautological mm-hmm. you've already established that that is your point of view the the adjective um is completely irrelevant because we already know that light is evil sure yes um we know, we know this already so, it's totally redundant 
Yeah, uh, one markdown, um, one markdown for um, uh, an unnecessary tautology slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, ten out of ten for evilnessnessness. Definitely. Next set, um, of, next set of lyrics. Here we go. Under his spell, blinding my eyes, twisting my mind, fight to resist the evil inside, captive of, of a force of Satan's might, a force of Satan's might. Gobbledygook. Um, yeah, once again, um, <laughs> who's this is? Um, who is this character who's, ent- who's, who's entered the narrative here? Mm-hmm. Um, I was confused enough by the we um in the first verse and, mm-hmm. and, and now we've got a his mm-hmm. um, cast cast under his spell um no i'm sorry it's terrible grammar um <laughs> why, why are we referring to to his um fight to resist the evil inside i think i've got it mm-hmm. um I think it's attempting to describe the bipolar experience. Oh, go on. Here we go. The doc, the, the doc's plucked somewhere from something from somewhere. Let, let, let's hear it. Um, it's a big, big, big um, cast um, for me to try and like get a line around all of this. Um, is there any possibility it is an attempt to communicate um, the experience of one of the many forms of bipolar disorder being literally unable to make sense of what are the people considered to be day and night good and evil mm-hmm. um light darkness that's the best i can do um, sure. it's it's an early example it's, it's an early example of one of those slayer songs that's just about madness it's a good effort, I think, and, and I respect your uh, endeavour there. But we have to bear in mind, you know, the, 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 these lyrics are written by Kerry King. Um, so probably mean nothing whatsoever. Um, but, 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 I do, but I do appreciate your gallant efforts there, sir. Let's move on to the, to the next section of lyrics. Fighting the curse, break it I must, laughing in sorrow, crying in lust. There's a line there that I really like. Again, I think it doesn't really mean anything, but but, but I do like the uh, the composition here of one particular line. I'm sure you can guess which one. Um, I'm not sure I can. I, I, oh, really? I can get it down to, I can get it down to two. Cry, uh, crying in lust. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's interestingly ambiguous. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's not um, what I like. I don't think it's fighting the curse. I don't think that's the line you like. No. I don't think it's break it, I must. It is break it, I must. I, 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 I like that structure. It's good fun. It's good fun, you know, because, because grammatically it's strange. Um, it sounds a bit kind of yoldy worldy. Um, yeah, um, it's, very, it's very sub-Tolkien fantasy fiction, isn't it? You got it, exactly. You know, um, yeah. and, 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 you know, 
I understand why he's done it to make that rhyme with lust. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I found that rather pleasing. That's about all I can say about these particular words. I'm afraid the bending the syntax out of shape um, to force a rhyme just reminds me of the bit from the actors episode of the third Black Adder, um, mm. where it's um, that they're, they're reciting their play and they do the exact same thing. And um, uh, let's kill the prince, let's slay him in our lust, and up his nostrils hot bananas thrust. Oh, yes, I do remember that sequence, yes. <laughs> um, I think crying in lust um, has a simultaneously um, vulpine and agonised quality to it. Mm -hmm. And when you couple it with the laughing in sorrow line, mm -hmm. from my children's encyclopedia, um, I learned that um, one of the characteristics of schizophrenia um, is inappropriate or unexpected emotional responses to certain situations. Um, and the, the little illustration um, that went alongside the passage, the, the, the little pencil drawing, um, was a, a, a chap laughing his head off with a great big grin on his face at a funeral. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so, so you're sticking with your thesis here that, 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 that Kerry is trying to invoke the idea of, of, of mental illness of some kind. Mental illness of some kind. Um, he's making a classic mistake, um, which um, I should point out that he is clearly, in the first two verses, he is um, he's conflating um, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, which are yeah. two completely different conditions. Um, Remember, this is 1983, we, and, we, and we understand these things far better now than, than we did then. Yes, we did. And I'm not convinced that in 1983, um, there was even a distinction between bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Sure. Sure. I, I, I think they used to call that manic depression, didn't they, back, back in those days? I think possibly they did. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's certainly the term I, I, I was familiar with in the 80s growing up. I don't think I heard the, 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 the term bipolar until maybe 15 years ago, maybe 20. Um, I think, I mean, without wishing to live up to anyone's cliches or anything. I think the first time I heard, I, I, I saw the, exp the expression written down, the first time I read it um, was some sort of um, true crimes book about serial killers. <laughs> mm. um, I, and, and, and what, you know, what, what would the date of that be roughly? Uh, 89, 90. Okay, so yeah, going back a little um, bit, okay. Late, late into secondary school, maybe mm -hmm. even sixth form. Mm -hmm. But certainly, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, the, 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 these distinctions were not as, as well understood. Shall we move on to the, to the final bit of, uh, of lyricism from Mr. King? My strength slips fast, soon I must fall. Victim of fortune, my sources grow small. Life slips away as demons come forth. Death takes my hand and captures my soul. Um, mm, my sources grow small. What does that mean? Well, I've reversed myself. I've, I've reversed myself completely. Um, okay. On the strength of this verse, it's about gambling. Um, because, of, because of the victim it, of fortune line. Victim of fortune, my sources my, my, grow my, small. So you're saying this is a gambler small, yeah. who 
you know, based on the look of the roulette wheel or whatever it happens to be, his his, his chips are dwindling. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the, the spiritual dimension to gambling, um, I think there are probably so many songs about the spiritual dimension to gambling. Um, you can go back to um, old blues songs from the 30s um, about making deals with the devil to win at cards. Mm -hmm. um, Kenny Rogers did one, not about making a deal with the devil, but he did one about the spiritual aspects of gambling. Sure. <clears throat> um, and um, playing poker as a, 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 a metaphor for um, uh, existential struggle. Mm -hmm. um, the legendary one in the context of heavy metal, obviously, is Ace of Spades by, of uh, by Motorhead. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Um, now that, you, now that you've uh, offered forth this uh, thesis, if we look back through the lyrics, there are, there are a few lines that kind of support this idea. You know, cast under his spell. That, that, you know, that, 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 yes. that could refer to addiction, couldn't it? Certainly. certainly. Fight to resist yep. the evil inside. Fighting the curse. Break it, I must. Yes, actually, there's quite a there's quite a lot there that, that that could could be interpreted as you know almost like a cry for help from an addict of some sort. And if that's true, then there's some nice imagery. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, playing cards are derived from uh, modern playing cards are derived from <clears throat> various kinds of fortune telling cards, um, which were linked with real actual black magic. Mm -hmm. um, in the past, uh, th there's, there's, there's a couple of images <clears throat> in the first few books that you might find on playing cards. Um, Black Magic Night, we've been struck down. Um, there's a, 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 an old uh, Tromp <clears throat> card, which is a, a, a tower being struck by lightning mm -hmm. um, under his spell, blinding my eyes. I believe there's another one, which is a, um, a, a blinded or eyeless or blindfolded sorcerer. Mm -hmm. um, and and that, and that second verse in particular, cast under his spell, blinding my eyes, twisting my mind, fight to resist the evil inside, captive of a force of Satan's might. Now, you know, because of the because they wanted to project this image of of, of Satanism, you know, he's used Satan as as as, as the image here, but, but 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 really, he's just talking about like the the the, the devil of, of of gambling addiction, isn't he? Doc, you've yes, convinced me. You've totally convinced me. <laughs> I, 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 yes, I, I've totally come around. Um, here was me mocking Kerry King's lyri lyrical skills, and actually, I, yeah, actually, I, I think I was dead wrong. Um, any, any further thoughts here? You, you've blown my mind a little bit. Um, I'm going to. Um... As every card player knows, you should quit while you're ahead, and I'm going to mm -hmm. do exactly that. Let's move on. Welcome to part four of Slaytanic Vercast. Here, we just offer our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything we might have inadvertently missed along the way. Final thoughts then, Doc. I loved it. I absolutely mm -hmm. loved it. Mm -hmm. um, to a greater or lesser extent, I've enjoyed all of the songs so far. This is the first one that I can just unaccountably, unapologetically say, um, I love all the way through every single second of. Um, this is what we came here for, in mm -hmm. other words. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit unlike me, I know I'm doing my best to be brief mm -hmm. um, because 
I don't really have a great deal more to say. I loved it. I thought it was a great track. Um, the icing on the cake, the cherry on, on, on the top, which was by no means needed, but is always nice to have, is that the words do turn out to make sense. Yes, yes. I, I, I think, you, I think you, you plucked something remarkable out there, Doc, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I mean, whether we are over-interpreting is, is, is certainly a possibility, but, but logically it seemed to make sense, didn't it? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm actually going to leave it there. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, just to give credits um, officially, the music is written by uh, Hanneman and King. The lyrics are by King alone. Um, <clears throat> Black Magic has been, has been played by Slayer live no less than 679 times. Not a big surprise, really. It's the 13th most popular song in their, in their playing career. Um, it's an absolute stone-cold classic. I fucking love it. Scores on the doors, Doc. I'm going to have to say nine. Nine liquescent swords out of ten for the doctor. And oh, it's got to be ten for me. It is ten mutilated most scores out of ten for me for black magic. It is awesome. Okay, that about does it for this episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slaytanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we will be discussing the next track from Show No Mercy entitled Tormentor. Enjoy it. <laughs> See you next time, guys. See you, Doc. See you later. Yeah.